Hey everyone, welcome back to Flash from the Past, the podcast where I talk about movies and games that are at least 10 years old. I'm back after a long hiatus and I apologize for that. Life, new job, all kinds of things. But I'm back with the reboot. Uh, I'm your host Jess and I saw, I say we uh, get right into it, shall we? You've waited long enough. Uh, First things first, let's talk about this reboot. Here's a quick rundown. We're still going to talk about one movie and one game. But now the criteria is that they only have to be older than 10 years. Um, There are just too many PS2 games that I want to play and I want to talk about. Uh, Secondly, I've been listening to a few other podcasts. And I really like the idea of retro achievements. Like, what would have been considered achievement if those days... uh, If those were around back in the day. Uh, I'm not as good as these other guys. Check out um, Genesis Gems and Classic Gaming Podcasts. Anywhere where podcasts are found. Those are both really awesome gaming podcasts, um, mostly with to do with retro stuff. Um, but I think I'll give it a shot. Third, I've started my run of PS2 games on Twitch. Uh, that's what gave me the inspiration to get this going again. Come hang out and watch me struggle through some terrible, terrible camera angles at twitch.tv slash radmadmal. Uh, fourth, this is going to move to a monthly format. I work back in retail now. So it's hard to get time to do more than that. Um, I think that's it for now. Uh, All the updates that I have. So let's jump into the movie of the week. The Cable Guy. The Cable Guy is actually the 13th movie credit for Jim Carrey. Um, My wife and I are going through and watching all Jim Carrey movies. And some of those early ones are actually really pretty funny. Uh, I highly recommend Earth Girls Are Easy. If you just want a crazy weird movie with Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis. Um, anyways, Cable Guy came out in 1996 and was surprisingly directed by Ben Stiller. Yes, that Ben Stiller. He also plays a guy who is on trial for killing his brother, but you only get bits and pieces of the story because it's told by television, which I believe plays a character all in itself in this movie. It's kind of moves along in the background uh, without you even knowing it unless you're paying attention. I'm not really a fan of Ben Stiller, but his directing style actually worked for, very well for this movie. Uh, The writer was Lou Holtz Jr., and this turns out to be his only credit in Hollywood that I could find, uh, which is unfortunate because the movie is really well written. It also stars Matthew Broadwick, famous, obviously, for Ferris Bueller's Day Off, who was hot off of The Lion King about two years earlier. And yet two years later, he would do Godzilla, which I actually love, but purists dislike that one very much. I think I'll do a podcast on that one month. Maybe I'll have a Godzilla game on Genesis now that I bought uh, the Mega Drive and I'll be able to do Godzilla Month. Anyways, obviously the star of the Cable Guy is Jim Carrey. He plays a Cable Guy with a lisp who at first seems like an okay guy who's just lonely and wants a new friend. Steven, Matthew Broderick's character, decides that he to try and be his friend at first, uh, but the weirdness the Cable Guy has just freaks him out. When it's learned that the cable guy pretty much knows everyone because of giving them free cable, Stephen finds himself hung out to dry and everyone thinking that he is a crazy one, including his girlfriend or ex-wife or separated wife, I guess. Uh, Jim Carrey still has funny aspects in this movie. A singing, dancing sequence reminds me of The Mask, Uh, but he plays a more of an emotional character who is pretty complex than his other one-bit characters like Ace Ventura or The Mask. Uh, It can be heartbreaking to hear him talk about his mother, who would leave him in front of the TV, 
thus warping his mind and reality. He strives to have his problems resolved in 30 minutes or less and wants the happy families he sees, wants to be part of those happy families he sees on television. So when he is continuously rejected again and again by Steve, it triggers him to get revenge by befriending Stephen's wife, with whom he's separated by. At the end of the movie, you find yourself rooting for the cable guy because of his tragic backstory. Jim Carrey really pulls out a win here. I had never seen this all the way through until we watched it. Uh, I'd always shied away from it because I'm more of a fan of the over-the-top crazy Jim Carrey or his very serious roles. The in-between roles never really appealed to me. Uh, I'm, I'm glad, though, that I gave it a solid chance. I was surprised by both his and Matthew Broderick's performance. They played off each other really well, and I think if this movie was cast with a different lead opposite Jim Carrey, it wouldn't have done as well. Moving on to the reviews, is, I found this pretty interesting. Critic reviews from Metacritic only gave this an average of 56, while users gave this a solid 8.1. That's three points higher by just regular people. I definitely am on the side of the user scores with this one, also, according to Metacritic, this has three awards. Uh, it was number 73 in the Best Movies of 1996. It was number 51 in the Most Discussed Movie of 1996. And it was number 85 in the Most Shared Movie of 1996. Overall, I really enjoyed this movie, and I thought it was deserving of all the accolades it received. I give it a solid 8 out of 10. Uh, but what did you think? What are some of your favorite Jim Carrey movies? Stick around for the end of the show, where I rank my top three. Moving on to the game of the week. Uh, I did start my PS2 streaming, like I said, and I started it with Max Payne. This is close to one of the first PS2 games I ever played back in 2002, and I was enamored with it. Uh, the slow-mo gun control, the story, everything. Uh, however, it wasn't until I played it for my stream that I finally beat this game. I usually could only make it past the second area. The difficulty always ramped up for me, and I would get so frustrated. So this time, I knew if I was playing it for the stream, I would have to be chill. It took me 11 hours and 38 minutes to finally beat this game. Uh, and what an adventure it was. Overall, the story, the comic book feel, is done very, very well. It feels like an old detective movie, even with the voiceovers sounding like something from a 1960s Dick Tracy show. The, following st the story follows Max Payne, a detective who comes home one night to find his house broken into, his wife and baby murdered, a scene I would probably say is one of the most heartbreaking scenes in any game to date. Max decides to go to work for narcotics and go undercover to find out the source of the junkies, a drug called Valkyr. This leads him on what seems like an endless chase of new enemies, powerful people, and a seedy underworld. I will say that while most of the game was great to play, uh, there were definitely moments that just were not made for the camera angles used in that era. PS2 had a very tough time in the new world of camera angles. Um, it's like they did not figure out how to use dual analog sticks yet um, until later on in life, and it still only kept the camera in movement on one stick. This makes this at times makes it difficult when you have to walk across bridge-like sections, insanely difficult. It doesn't help that during some of these moments you have a baby crying, and some of those moments, if you fall, your checkpoint is like five minutes back. I finally just literally had to inch my way across these sections to hit the checkpoints and move on. It's honestly really my only complaint from the game. Otherwise, the slow-mo shooting works great, ammo is plentiful if you play on easy like me, and the enemies and bosses are not that difficult. Again, I play on easy, so take that with a grain of salt. Max Payne was published by Rockstar, with obviously already had GTA under its belt and developed by Remedy Entertainment, 
who also developed games later like Alan Wake on 360 and Quantum Break on Xbox One. He was released on PS2 December 12, 2001. Um, and I also found some really cool trivia from Moby Games. Um, there's definitely a lot more than I'll list here, so go check it out at MobyGames.com. Uh, the PC, so here we go. The PC version of Max Payne appears in the book 1001 Video Games You Must Play Before You Die by general editor Tony Mott. Uh, I will say most people thought the PC version was better. I was never a PC person just because I never could afford a PC that was strong enough to play video games. So I always played my stuff on PS2. Still really fun. Uh, in England, the game was advertised on hydrants covered with actual yellow police lines with the game's name and slogan on it. Max Payne, a man with nothing to lose. It's uh, just like the game box cover art. Uh, the origins of Bulletine, made famous in the movie The Matrix and playable as a playable effect in Max Payne, are attributed to Edward Moybridge. Uh, he used still camera angles placed along a racetrack to take pictures of a galloping horse. Uh, Edward Maybridge was actually alive from 1830 to 1904, so you can imagine this origin definitely has a place in history. Uh, there was a Dreamcast version planned. Uh, like it says, Max Payne was initially in development for the Dreamcast up to the point that Remedy demoed the game at E3 in 1998. Despite some more refined character models, the game looks and plays mostly identical to the PS2 and Xbox versions of the game. Early on in the game, or over the course of development in there, the V-drug was not only a mind-warping drug, but also body-warping. It in fact made users grow into a hulking giant with glowing green eyes. Early scripts dealt with super soldiers. They were even working at screenshots which shows Max fighting these super soldiers. This all looked, this all was scrapped as it looked too silly and was too similar to Sin. I never played Sin, so if you have, let me know what you think. In order to create the game, the developers from Remedy traveled from Finland to New York to photograph the buildings and the streets. You can actually read about their adventures at the 3D Realms website, 3DRealms.com/max/newyork. Let's see. Um, there are some inaccuracies. Despite all the realism put in the game, the code numbers given by NYPD officers are completely wrong, according to an ex-NYP officer. The music for the game was made by Kartsky Hataka, who is also a singer and bass player for the band called Waltari. Um, there's some pretty cool references in this game, too, um, that showcase pop culture. So I picked out a few that were pretty nifty. Uh, the game features some humorous moments. In one of the earlier levels, there's a room off the ledges outside of the building. Inside, a guy is lying on the ground with a stake on his back. And the letters Buff, with an obvious reference to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, scrawled in blood next to him. Max passes a comment along the lines, I don't even want to know what happened here. In another level, you'll need a password to get into a laundry room. After finding a lowlife to help you out, stand off to the side while he tries to get you in. He's given a first name and asked to give the full name before they open the door. Name he has to give is John Woo, director and king of slow motion action sequences and movies, an obvious inspiration for the developers of Max Payne. Uh, at one point in the game, Max comes across a television show speaking about 
the Azir Corporation, and how they are becoming another monopoly like Microsoft. However, because Microsoft is a copyrighted name, the television gives a bit of static when Microsoft is spoken, and the graphic novel displays static instead of Microsoft. I think my favorite one was the one about Twin Peaks, and I said it as I was playing it, and you can check it out on the replays. Uh, at some point, you will pass by a TV with the images show a familiar red curtain room and a flamingo. The accompanying dialogue is all in Twin Peaks style. The music has that hip, TP jazzy sound. A man's voice talks about his evil twin, which of course in ties to the doppelgangers of Twin Peaks. The flamingo's speaking style sounds much like the little man in Twin Peaks' dream sequences. The flamingo may be a reference to Wild Palms, which included flamingos and is sometimes compared to Twin Peaks. Elsewhere, another TV show soap opera with the events that closely parallel the game, this soap opera device was used often on Twin Peaks. During one of the Twin Peaks parody portion, the flamingo's speech is distorted and it is impossible to understand what he's saying except the final line, the flesh of fallen angels, a sort of reoccurring motif along the game. All right. Um, there are some variations between the PS2, PC, and Xbox version. Most, the biggest one is the PS2 version does not allow you to quick save during a level like the PC and Xbox versions. There were, it looks like three, yeah, three awards at one. Uh, in 2001, it was PC Action Game of the Year by Reader's Votes. Uh, also in 2001, from PC Gamer, it was Best Gimmick of the Year for Bullet Time. And in 2005, it was number 41 in the 50 best games of all time. Now, if you want to pick up this game today, according to PriceCharting.com, you can grab Max Payne for as little as $5.95 complete on the PS2. And finally, I have come, we've come to the new segment of the show uh, where I come up with some achievements. And I can't remember which ones, because when, when you play Max Payne on the PS4, you actually do get achievements, which is kind of cool. Um, I can't remember what those ones were, but so if I subconsciously kind of use the same ones, uh, I'm really not remembering correctly. So um, anyway, I came up with four and I have number one, John Wu Hu, uh, which is if you, you get your first kill using bullet time. Uh, number two is of all the gin joints where you meet Mona Sachs for the first time. Number three is Rosemary's Baby, and that is getting through the nightmare sequences without turning the sound off in the menu. And when you play, or if you have played, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And not going to lie, I had to stop that. I had to do it. I would not have got that achievement. And finally, number four, was this all a dream? Beat the game on easy and restart the game on the highest difficulty. So what kind of achievements would you add if you got to come up with them? Or what do you think should have been there if you have played it? Um, I think that's, it's pretty fun. So we'll see how uh, we go. I'm going to try to do games that I beat um, right now. Let's see. Do I go through this? Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I did get, like I said, the Mega Drive on the Sega Genesis, so I have a lot of Sega games now that I can kind of use for this. Um, and obviously a lot of PS2 games that we're going to be going through. So, um, thanks for hanging out today. And we're going to end the day with my top three Jim Carrey movies. Uh, number three, 
Liar Liar. Number two, Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls. And my number one favorite Jim Carrey movie has to be the number 23. Um, he plays a great serious role, and I really, really enjoyed him in it. Uh, what are your favorite Jim Carrey movies? What achievements would you like to put in Max Payne? Let me know all this and more by emailing me at flashfromthepastpodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at flashpasspod, and if you want to watch replays on my games, visit me at twitch.tv slash radmadmal. Right now, I'm trying to get through Star Wars Bounty Hunter, which has some of the same issues as Max Payne, but overall it's pretty fun. Other than that, I'll be around next month with another movie and another game. Thanks, guys. Enjoy everything.